Welcome to Sparking Wholeness, where we talk all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Erin Carey. I'm a survivor of bipolar disorder and a self-proclaimed nutrition nerd who loves asking why. As a certified integrative nutrition health coach, my goal is to help people find balance, and I want to help you find ways to spark wholeness in your life. For more information, check out sparkingwholeness.com or on the Instagram handle, Sparking Wholeness. And now, get ready for today's awesome show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. This is Erin Carey, and today I am sitting down with Chris DeFore. Chris DeFore is a nutritional therapist and owner of Happy Body Health. She is passionate about helping women optimize their nutrition and lifestyles to look and feel their best. She believes that healthy digestion and blood sugar regulation are critical to good health and that a healthy diet and lifestyle can address many of the chronic issues that people deal with today. So Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to do this. Me too. Okay. So real talk. Now I'm going to give the real backstory (laughs) about Chris and how I know Chris. I was at Whole Foods. This was probably, gosh, over two years ago. I'm trying to think of how long ago it was. It was uh, when I was finishing up at Institute for Integrative Nutrition and I overhear two women next to me speaking and I can tell they're talking about health and different things. And then I hear somebody say IIN, which is the acronym for Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And I'm, I'm realizing, oh, wait a minute, they went there too. And so I don't typically interrupt strangers, but I did. (laughs) And I had to go over and pick their braids. And that's how I met Chris. And she is just so wonderful and helpful and has just been a really good resource. She has an awesome email, um, mailing list that she puts out and she puts really quality information. And so I've been wanting forever to have her on the show. And so here we are, we're here. And so anyway, so that's the real story behind the bio of why we are here. Cause you went to Institute for Integrative Nutrition. How long ago were you there? I was there in 2013, 2014. Okay. So, yeah. And then in 2019, I went to the Nutritional Therapy Association Yes. Okay. And so that was, I think, so it must've been when you were there at NTA, I guess that's the abbreviation for that one. Maybe that's what you were just starting there. And that's what you guys were talking about. Um, And so I wanted to talk about all those things. So that's really cool. So tell me a little bit about um, what it means to be, before we get started into the questions and why we're here, but what, what is a nutritional therapist? What does that even mean? For people who don't know? Well, the idea is that we use nutrition to bring the body back to balance. So it's a sort of a therapy using nutrition. And uh, we believe that there are foundational elements that are key to it. I can never remember all six of them at the same time, but their diet, eating a whole foods, real diet, keeping blood sugar balanced, which is what we're going to talk about today. good digestion, water, staying hydrated, having appropriate fatty acids. I know that's super important for mental health. And you talk about that a lot and mineral balance. Yes. And so we consider all of those things. And of course, also consider the bio-individuality of each person uh, in making those kinds of recommendations. Yeah. I love that you touched on bio-individuality because that's the thing is we have so many one size fits all 
solutions in the world, but really that's not a thing because we are so individual and that's really interesting. I love those different, the frameworks, I guess, behind, because it's true. We are all trying to find balance. And if any one of those things is off, then it can wreak havoc on our entire body. And so today I wanted to bring you on to talk about blood sugar because you wrote a really awesome blog post about blood sugar and about how many meals during the day should we eat? Because we've been told so many things forever about meals and, oh, you should have five small meals. No, you should have three large meals. And now I'm hearing people too, just as long as you have two really nutrient dense meals, you're good. And so it's like, so maybe what, what is, you know, what's the key to blood sugar regulation? That's something that I really want to get into because blood sugar issues are so tied into anxiety and they're tied into how we sleep at night. And if we, and you were the one that told me that, um, that certain times, certain wake times in the middle of the night could indicate that there's a blood sugar imbalance. Right. And maybe I'll just start right. off by that. What, what was the time you said when people are waking at a certain time, it could be a blood sugar thing in that two to 4.00 AM range. Yeah. That's yeah. really interesting. And waking up and often not being able to get back to sleep, which causes its own huge problems. Mm -hmm. It does. And, you know, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, I think, or I've talked about it a lot in real life. One of the reasons I stopped drinking wine is because it was causing me a lot of blood sugar issues and messed with my sleep. And I could tell the day after I didn't have, have it a lot and I didn't have a lot of it when I had it. But I could tell it messed with my sleep enough to where I was waking up at those times, having a hard time getting back to sleep. And then the next day I was so hungry throughout the day, like could not fill up, which that's also a sign of blood sugar dysregulation as well. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So so let's, let's get into that then. So what is blood sugar? (laughs) And why is it important? Sorry, because I will just talk all sorts of things. I think we should just start with the basics. So what is it and why do we, why do we care? I agree. So what happens is when you eat some food, then the body starts to absorb the nutrients. So when we think of our our nutrients, there's protein, fats, and carbohydrates. And the carbohydrates, as the body absorbs it, then the, it turns it into glucose and it goes out into the bloodstream And then the pancreas releases insulin because the body wants some glucose in the bloodstream all the time, but not too much. And so it's a real delicate balancing act. And the pancreas releases insulin and uses that to get it to to that sweet spot. And the excess glucose molecules are stored primarily in the liver and in the skeletal muscles. And then when you go some time without eating, then there's less glucose in the bloodstream. And so the body reaches into the liver to put it back into the bloodstream and um, also into the skeletal muscles. So when you're working out, it's primarily, or doing any sort of exercise, not even working out, but it could be just walking your dog, doing any sort of exercise, the body is pulling it out of the muscles And so that's one reason why when people have too much, and we can talk about that a little bit, but why exercise is so important, because it's a way of using up that excess glucose. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really helpful. Um, And, and to also understand if we have 
too much, if it's not getting stored in the liver or the muscles, it's getting stored as fat, correct? Getting stored as fat or staying in the bloodstream. Or staying in the bloodstream. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, when you go to the doctor, one of the tests that they often do is that fasting glucose test first thing in the morning, or hopefully I always schedule my doctor appointments first thing in the morning because I don't want to wait to eat until two o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, they, they check what your blood sugar levels are after fasting for eight hours. And, you know, there's a lot of variation. Let somebody else tell you what it should be. But the higher it is, the more risk there is of various illnesses, one of them being type two diabetes. And so what happens, one of the ways, you know, we get out of balance with it in terms of food is that we eat junk food or we eat too much sugar, or we don't eat enough quality food, and we're creating more and more sugar in the blood, more and more glucose in the blood. And over time, and so the insulin, I think of it like frantically running through the body, trying to grab up all these glucose molecules and store them in the liver and store them in the muscle. And it, it gets tired and the pancreas gets tired from putting it out. And the cells are like, hey, you guys are trying to give us too much of this and we just can't do this anymore. And that's called insulin resistance. And then you start really getting into some trouble. Yeah, that's good. And so that's why if you are getting your fasting glucose tested and it's high, if it's past this, this certain range, that's why there's a concern because it's like, oh, there, there's too much that is being put out there and that is not being maybe used the way it's supposed to be used. Um, that's, that's super interesting and super helpful because I think, you know, we go to the doctor, many people, we go to the doctor and we get our lab and, you know, there are so many different labs and we are not going to understand every single one, but we understand when the doctor's like, Oh, this might be a little high. You might need to watch this. You might need to, you know, change your diet, but that's it. And so we're not always getting like, what does that mean? Change my diet. How can I actually eat to improve my blood sugar? How can I, what else can I be doing? And so that's where I really want to dig into this because so many people, if they're not pre-diabetic, they're probably pre -pre (laughs) pre-diabetic, you know, just because of, of the world we live in and the food and the kinds of food that's available to us. And so I think that's why this is so important and so practical. And again, because blood sugar is so closely connected to mental health, we, this is something we need to stay on top of because it will definitely cause, if we've got stuff out of whack, it's going to cause some anxiety and even depression and just overall mood instability. It's a, it's going to be a mood roller coaster, just like it's a blood, blood sugar roller coaster. So Absolutely. Uh, maybe talk, let's talk about, you know, we hear the phrases hypoglycemia, hyperglycemia a lot. What, what are those? What does that mean? So hypo means low and hyper means high. And anytime you hear that in terms of health, um, th- that's the meaning of it. So hyperglycemia is high blood sugar. Hypoglycemia is low blood sugar. And what we've just been talking about is too much in the bloodstream is the hyperglycemia. Um, And, you know, I want to mention that it is so common now that I think a lot of people think it's normal or it's not anything to be so concerned about. And that could not be further from the case just because it's common doesn't make it normal and it doesn't make it okay. So a lot of times what happens is when somebody is, 
tending toward that hyperglycemia and they eat not the best diet and they, they eat a meal and it raises their blood sugar up really high. So the body puts out a bunch of insulin trying to lower that blood sugar because it's an emergency to the body to do that. Mm -hmm. And it might overshoot the mark and then it drops it down too low. And then that person gets the shakes or gets dizzy or weak or something like that. And that is hypoglycemia. And so it's, you might've heard that phrase, blood sugar roller coaster. And that's what that is. And the idea, the thing that we all want to do is to get it stable and get it running on a, not a flat road, but a road with some little hills rather than a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there has to be some kind of, cause our bodies want to work to be on our side, you know, but yes, it, it, that it's like slow hills, not that extreme ups and downs. And, and I think, you know, so many people it's like, oh, well, I'm hypoglycemic. I just need to make sure that I'm eating throughout the day and I'll be fine. As long as I'm snacking throughout the day, I'll be fine. But I think if, if you are real shaky and, and really struggling to make it three hours without food, that might be a sign that you could be doing other things, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So that, that might be, you know, a, a good segue into what, how do we eat? How do we eat to balance? our, our blood sugar, because should we be eating constantly throughout the day? Like many people are told just have five small meals, eat every two hours or every hour and a half, whatever it is. Is that the best way? You know, that's where that bio-individuality really comes in. It's so dependent on the person and there are different ways of eating for blood sugar regulation. Um, I, and I'll, I'll share a little bit of my own story about all this as an example. Um, and even today, though, I'll tell you, even today, I probably don't do very well with going too, too long of a period of time without food. I, I couldn't do the 20 hour with a four hour window of eating. It just wouldn't work for me. So I grew up, you know, my mom was really health conscious and we didn't get a lot of soft drinks and cookies and candy and things like that were considered treats, but we had things like donuts and Captain Crunch for breakfast, you know, and, um, and there wasn't a lot of packaged food, but there was some. And then I, you know, as I got older, adolescence and older, you know, I, you can look at it as an eating disorder. And I certainly went way overboard on sugar and junk food for a lot, a lot of years. And um, quick story, when I quit smoking, I was 29 years old, quit smoking. And all of a sudden, I was so reactive to caffeine, I would get the shakes if I drink even just a little bit of caffeine, it was the weirdest thing. And until I started to understand blood sugar regulations, I had no idea why I just knew I couldn't drink caffeine. And so and I still don't drink very much caffeine to this day. If I do, it's like a drug for me. Um, That's interesting. But yeah. And so uh, in two, I'm also, I was born just stressed out. You know, I've always been high anxiety and all those kinds of things. And it was so normal to me. I didn't even realize that was what was going on. Um, And so in, you know, just about 20 years ago, right around 2000, I, I, 
got into a crazy marriage and I was in a crazy job and I had all these things going on. So I was under an enormous amount of stress. And in 2004, uh, the marriage had ended. The job was still crazy. And I, um, I, I embarked on this, basically an eating disorder program. And I was uh, eating a very specified meal plan. And it was three meals a day with nothing in between. We ate five or six cups of vegetables a day and portion controlled on everything else. No processed food, no junk food, you know, except like salad dressing was processed. But other than that, nothing came out of a package. And I lost 20 pounds in about three months and I got so fatigued and I felt terrible. And the doctor told me that probably what pushed me over the edge was that quick weight loss. And I go into this whole story because of the tie between stress and blood sugar. Um, my, I was under so much stress all the time. So I was always raising those, those cortisol and uh, adrenaline, those stress hormones. I was, they were up all the time. And that just does an enormous amount of damage. So when I started this, when I started that food program, I was able to do the three meals a day. But then when I crashed and I got so sick in 2004, um, it was it was like a chronic fatigue situation. We called it back then adrenal fatigue. Now it's called HPA axis dysfunction just because of different understanding of what causes it. But then the next time when I went back and tried to do that same kind of a program, I could not go from breakfast to lunch or from lunch to dinner or from dinner to breakfast without eating in between. And I had to have like, like I would eat a packet of tuna with some mayonnaise on it as a snack. It took that much for me. And I would be all shaky and feeling terrible. And I would eat that food and immediately start to feel better. And over time, as my body healed a little bit, then I was able to go between breakfast and lunch. Breakfast and lunch was the first stretch of time I could go. Um, But I still couldn't go the six hours or so between lunch and dinner. And then over time, I could do that. And it was years before I could go from dinner to breakfast the next day. And that's one of my symptoms now is that I start waking up in the middle of the night. And when I know that's happening, that's when I have to start doing something a little bit different. So that's me. And that's how my body works. And because I am so prone to the stress piece of it, I have to be real careful that I don't do anything that pushes those stress hormones up, which going for me too long without eating would do. And I would venture to say a lot of people are under a lot of stress. And so that's something to consider. You know, your lifestyle is something to consider. The demands on you, the mental demands on you, your anxiety levels, like you were talking about all of those things. And so I would, you know, just try, see how you feel and then be really honest with yourself that if it doesn't work, don't keep doing it. Don't try and force it. Yeah, that's so good. And I, it's so interesting to me, that connection between you went on that very extreme diet and it kind of, it sounded like you said, it's kind of stressed your body out. Um, because I have a similar story and it was around that same time. It was probably, I think it was 1999. I went on a pretty, after I gained all my Zoloft weight, um, (laughs) when I was on Zoloft for the first time, I went on this very regimented diet 
And what's interesting is I don't know if it was the SSRI itself or if it was, you know, genetic predisposition or if it was this diet and the stress, but it kind of sent me into a manic. That's one of the things of a few different factors that sent me into kind of some hypomania mania. And I think a lot of it had to do with, I was stressing my body out. And I remember I even have journal entries. I was on swim team and I would go to the 6am workout or whatever. And I couldn't swim because I was so shaky and so lightheaded. And because my calories were dangerously low, you know, like, I think it's so funny, this whole, how, how things, how tables have turned on calories. But, um, I think we so often go way too low on calories. And so we're not giving our bodies what they need. Um, but that was the case for me. And it, I, I think that really kind of messed me up and, you know, and there's lots of documentation about these extreme diets and w- what it does long-term to our bodies, because it, it puts us into starvation mode. It stresses us out, but it's interesting that you said you tried to do it again and it was even harder. And explain that part again. You said you tried to do it again, but um, you couldn't do it because the first, the first time I did it, I was able to go to eat three meals a day with nothing in between. My blood sugar wasn't as imbalanced, but because I had this major stress response, my blood sugar couldn't stay stable long enough. And so what I did was I followed the basic food plan and ate all those vegetables because that's so healing to yeah, eat those kinds yeah. of foods. I just had to eat more. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. like you talked about when you drinking wine, how you would be so hungry the next day, you know, when the blood sugar is imbalanced like that, we're more hungry. And mm-hmm. what's sad is that we tend to reach for foods that keep the blood sugar roller coaster going. Yes. Yes. My for the first thing I would you know, want is chips, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the flavored process, like just something that would seem filling, even though it's really chips really aren't that filling, but it just seems that way. Um, and anything, you know, carby, anything carby seems like that's going to be the thing that is filling at that time. And I think that that's really important to that stress response, because we are all, like you said, 2020 has been a very stressful year. And so how many people have jokingly talked about gaining the COVID 19 pounds, you know, and a lot of that is because we are so stressed. So we are turning to food, of course, for comfort, which makes sense, even just on a biological level, like, yes, we're going to look for food when we're feeling stressed out, because that's, how our bodies like over thousands and thousands of years, that's what people do. <laughs> you know, you start exactly. like it. So it, this all makes sense. But the problem is, is what are we reaching for? And so if we're reaching for something that's just going to keep us on that cycle of eating more and more carbs. So maybe that that's a good question to ask is what should we be reaching for? What should we be having to, help us, you know, to satisfy the hunger hormones and to satisfy, you know, and help the insulin response and, and all of that. What, what should we be turning to as opposed to, you know, the carby things that, that are the go-tos? Well, you know, from kind of that science perspective, protein and fat both create more of a sense of fullness and they don't create such an insulin response. 
And so that's why people often turn to low carb diets. And that's one way of managing blood sugar is through a low carb diet. Um, because you're not putting as much, there's not as much glucose going into the bloodstream. So there's not as much insulin reacting to it. And so there aren't as many swings. Um, and the fact that it keeps you full longer is really helpful mentally because who wants to be hungry all the time, mm. you know, and who can ma- maintain something for a long period of time if they're hungry all the time. Right. But I don't demonize carbs. Uh, I think that some types of carbs are really good for us. And let's start with vegetables. I mean, vegetables and fruits are carbohydrate foods. Um, but vegetables, particularly green types of vegetables or the um, sulfur-containing vegetables like broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, those kinds of things, um, they're so full of nutrients and they don't cause any of that blood sugar dysregulation. And those nutrients, when we eat those nutrients, then we're supporting our cells and our tissues and our organs and our entire systems. And so they can get better. The body can do its work if we're eating the foods that it needs to have. And just a quick aside on some of that, when the immune system is stressed, it wants more carbs, but it's not going to be chips. Like you were saying, you know, (laughs) chips and sugar, those are not going to help it, but eating maybe some whole grains is actually helpful. And I think immune health is something that we all need to be thinking about right now too. You know, whatever we can do to strengthen our, strengthen our immune health is going to benefit us. And so, you know, the, first thing that I look at is basically a whole foods, real food diet. So fresh meat and meat, fish, eggs, dairy, you know, if you tolerate all those things, um, fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds and other healthy fats and whole grains. And those things and all of it, again, bioindividuality depends on your tolerance for those things, you know, um, I can tolerate some grains better than others and not as much as some people can, not as much as I used to be able to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that probably has to do with my age and hormonal status, you know, so you got to take all of those things into consideration. Yeah, no, that's, that's important. And I think I'm glad you mentioned the carbs, the great carb debate, um, because <laughs> we do, and especially as women, we really, for thyroid function, for all that, we do need to have some carbs. It would be very dangerous to go way, way too low carb. I think maybe some men can do that. Just like you were talking about how the, the 20 hours fasting, four hour feeding window can work well for some people. I think it's mostly men. <laughs> you know, I think for women, we just have a lot going on and we hold stress differently than men. And that's really interesting. I mean, just again, on a biological level, we hold our stress differently and women suffer way more from autoimmune diseases than men. And most autoimmune diseases, there's some research is saying are brought on by extreme life stressors. And so we just have to be nurturing to ourselves and recognizing just even the bio-individuality as women, we're going to need different things, maybe even different life stages, different times of the month. <laughs> you know, Like that's what I'm learning. My needs right now at 39, way different 
from a couple of years ago when I really started getting hardcore into, you know, this lower carb intermittent fasting, you know, that's all changing. So I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. That's important. Um, and, and whole foods base, like you cannot go wrong with eating what grows from the ground, <laughs> what, you know, is not processed. Like when was the last time unless you're eating that, the plant-based meat, what is, what is it called? I, I probably shouldn't even say it anyway, but that one that has, has like a thousand different ingredients that are not animal, mm -hmm. you know, because we're trying to avoid eating animals when that's one ingredient that, and, 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 you know, of course there's some nuances there and what the animals consume that makes a difference too. But yes, going at just as limiting the processing and going back to nature as much as possible, which we don't do, you know, most Americans, we don't do that. So going back to the meals, then what would you say, like the average person, you know, because I know with gut health, this is a thing too. And I know you're big on that and digestion. Um, what is the time frame people should be eating? Should they be snacking all day? Should they have big filling meals? What, what are your thoughts and how do you feel best? Well, I feel best if I eat pretty good sized meals and I eat a fairly late dinner, I can maintain on three meals a day with nothing in between. Now, a few years ago, that wasn't the case, you know, um, but if I don't eat enough food and if I don't eat enough vegetables, especially vegetables, you know, if I, if I don't eat enough of those, then I I don't do as well. I don't make it as long and I don't do as well. And if somebody does need to have a snack, if you're getting shaky or hangry or any of those things, then absolutely have the snack, you know, because it's a lot less stress on your body, but let it be something really healthy and primarily protein and or fat based you know, celery sticks with peanut butter on them. I think some people, you know, really like that kind of thing or an apple with peanut butter even. Mm -hmm. And an apple is higher carb, but it's, yeah. it's really good. Peanut butter, almond butter, sunflower butter, any of those kind of things, a hard boiled egg or two, mm -hmm. any of those kind of things make great snacks and they will help the blood sugar to balance out. And when I used to be really dysregulated, if I got to that point of hangry and shaky, shaky, I was so fatigued afterwards and it would take me hours to recover from it. So don't do that to yourself. If you go there, don't do that to yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not worth it. But know that it's your body speaking to you and saying, hey, I need you to treat me differently. I need you to give me different things and honor that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I, you know, cause I back in my old calorie counting days, you know, a snack would be whatever is the least amount of calories, you know, and typically the thing that's the least amount of calories is something processed with an artificial sweetener in it, you know? So it could be like yeah. trying to think like some kind of a, a granola bar or just something that, did, you know, was 80 calories but it never really helped with my hunger and kind of made my hunger worse. So mm -hmm. I really like how you mentioned the protein and the fat, because that makes a big difference. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of nuts, but I definitely can overdo it on them, <laughs> you know, because it's just easy to like cashews. I love cashews. They have a sweetness to them for me. And it's just, it's like a sweet treat, but 
I will just overdo it. And so I need to focus more for me on the satiating protein that helps me out or even, and I know this, depending on who you are, some people would say this is processed, but collagen protein shake or some kind of a protein shake when I'm in a hurry, that can be really helpful for me just because I need to get something down quick on my stomach that has protein that has more, it's, it's more filling in that way than if I was going to have a handful of pretzels, which is maybe what I would have done back in the day. I love those suggestions. I think that those are really helpful and those are really practical. Um, and to eat enough, do you think, you know, are women eating enough these days? Are we under eating? I'm hearing that a lot, especially with our busy lives and the stress and the working out. How much should we be eating? I think some people do under eat. Boy, it's hard to know. You can't really put a number of calories or mm -hmm. a, an amount, but, you know, a serving of protein would be like two eggs or a palm sized piece of meat. Um, and they recommend, you know, basically five cups of vegetables a day or fruits and vegetables with the majority of it being vegetable, you know, maybe one serving of fruit. And, and that's a lot of vegetables. I personally tend to do better with a little bit higher fat. And so I can pour a good amount of olive oil on a salad mm -hmm. and be really happy with it. And, you know, my salad is in a mixing bowl. Me too. I mean, yeah. I, I eat huge salads with mostly vegetables and either a couple of hard boiled eggs or, you know, one hard boiled egg and a little bit of chicken or something like that in it. You know, I put away a lot of food, but if it's quality food, then it's okay. And I have heard people say that as, as they eat that way for years and years, their need for food decreases because they don't need as many nutrients to catch up from years of poor eating, if that, that makes is, sense. Oh, that makes so much sense. That is a good point. And I've used that example before how I can have a fast food meal and eat 1400 calories easily in under 10 minutes. I could, but I would be hungry in an hour because I didn't get the nutrients that my body needs. And that is such a good point. And I think that that's why a lot of people, when they switch to eating more of a whole foods based diet, they're not eating as much as maybe again, like these plans that tell us exactly how we're supposed to be eating. Like they're requiring this amount of this and this amount of this, and it just seems so limiting and, but you're not getting all the nutrients like if, if you were what you're saying, getting a big salad and throwing in every single vegetable you have in your house, because I've done that before I will have, and I'll have nights where I just like, let's cook all the refrigerator, all the, all the refrigerator, <laughs> all the veggies in the refrigerator. Let's just throw them all in the oven, roast them, maybe put some in the air fryer or whatever, just like get them all. So then it's all done and just do just cook a whole bunch of vegetables because you're going to be full. And most people were afraid of vegetables. <laughs> we fear it's not the normal, you know, like we didn't grow up eating a half or three fourths of a plate full of vegetables. Really? We didn't, you know, and as much as, you know, my mom's cooking was great growing up, but we did have a lot of, you know, we had some casseroles. We had some casseroles with the canned cream of whatever soup and <laughs> chicken uh -huh. and all that stuff, which when you think about how many vegetables are actually in those kinds of recipes, there's, there's not a lot. And so, yeah, so I'm always trying to see how many veggies I can get in one meal, because you're right. It makes a difference. And even how I feel the next day and the day after that, if it's consistent. So I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because that makes a lot of sense. Well, and 
another thing to that point, um, I recently came across some work uh, by a Dr. Karazi, and I don't know if you know who he is, but I just love his work. And he's got this immune course. And one of the things he recommends to his patients is for immune health to eat 20 different types of fruits, vegetables, and herbs a day. A day? And he said, you don't have to eat huge amounts of each one of them, like an herb, you know, a teaspoon or so is enough. And, and the reason that it helps with immunity is because these things are fiber and they feed our gut bacteria and the Mm. gut bacteria are a huge player in our immune systems. So again, with this idea that right now we need to be seriously focused on our immune systems too, eating the biggest variety you possibly can of Fiber foods, particularly perishable ones, is a big, big player. And so when I first tried this, I went to Sprouts and I was pulling stuff off the shelf that I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I love you know? it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we got to find out about this. And I discovered some new foods that I actually like. They're out of season now. Can't find them now. But, um, but I found some stuff that I really liked. And so I was making these mixing bowl salads with seriously 15 different things in them. That you know? is so funny. Because I guess if you think about it, I mean, like I'm kind of planning this out in my head. So I'm like, so you have like, say your spinach, arugula, spring mix, whatever greens, and you can get just greens themselves. You can get like five in there. Then you yep. throw in say parsley, cilantro. Well, that's seven. You can throw in, because um, I was at an event last night. It was like a mom's night out thing where we brought small, small gathering. I will say a small gathering. We all brought our, um, different things for salads. And I threw in blueberries and strawberries, which I typically don't throw into a, like a savory salad, but it was great because blueberries have a little bit of that tank. So you could throw in even something like that. Then you have, like you said, your, your herbs. So maybe some basil, maybe some rosemary. I mean, man, that makes so much sense. I'd even throw in man, carrots, zucchini, cucumbers, tomatoes, bell peppers. I can see how this would add up. Yeah. And you can get those bags of baby carrots that are the the rainbow ones, mm-hmm. the rainbow baby carrots. Mm-hmm. And those count as four different kinds because they're four different the colors. colors. Yes. Red onion and yellow onion. Yep. Two different colors. I do that with my bell peppers too, because the, the different colors do different things. And so, yeah, if exactly. you've got three different kinds of bell peppers, man, you're good to go. Oh, this is, this is a fun game. So, okay. <laughs> Listener challenge. <laughs> Who is going to come up with the salad with the most vegetables? Because I really would like, this sounds like a fun game to play with myself <laughs> because I'm always with, when it comes to vegetables, I do like, I make it a game. I make it fun because I don't like mm-hmm. eating the same thing. And that's part of that does come from kind of a disordered eating mentality when it comes to diets of, I am going to have a chicken breast and a cup of green beans for lunch every single day this week. And I'm like, oh, there's no diversity in that. That, right. that doesn't feed the gut microbiome the way that like we need it to be fed. So I love that. Wow. Okay. So what are your favorite ingredients that you put in your salad and what, what do you use for dressing? Because I know that's one that people will will want to know. What do you use for dressing? What do you put in your salad? So I recently discovered uh, walnut oil. Have you ever used walnut no, oil? I never have. Uh-uh. It is so good. It is the smoothest, creamiest taste all by itself. And um, I don't use any kind of bottled salad dressings. So 
for a long time, I used either avocado or olive oils, but this, this walnut oil is some good stuff. And Mm. there is a seasoning that you can get at Sprouts or Whole Foods or Natural Grocers, any of those. And it's called Herbamare, H-E-R-B-A-M-A-R-E. It is the best all-purpose seasoning. It goes on almost everything in our house. It makes everything taste better. And it's a, it's an herbed seasoned salt or sea salt. And so, okay. Yeah. Um, And it's all organic stuff. It's real, real good. And so the walnut oil and the herbamare make a great dressing to me. And um, I'm working through a lot of food sensitivities right now. And so my selection is much more limited than I would like for it to be. But I try to use a couple different types of lettuce um, and then arugula often. And so there's my base of it. And then kind of really, like you said, whatever vegetables I have in the house. That day I went to Sprouts. I bought, I really liked Belgian endive, which I had never had before. Hmm. It's a little tiny uh, type of endive. And it was really tasty. Radicchio I like a lot. Um, I was at a different store at Central Market and they had full-sized endive and that the leaves were kind of bitter, but the stems were not so much. So, uh, you know, as many different kinds of greens as I can fit on there and then, you know, chopping up all those different colors of carrots and some onion and maybe mushrooms if I've got them, Um, cauliflower, broccoli, any of those. I, I really like steamed broccoli on the salad, oh, you know, steam it, yeah. so steam it the as, night before. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier to digest and it's, it adds a texture and a flavor because the flavor is a little bit different yes. once it's cooked mm-hmm. and it adds a really cool texture and flavor. And when I'm steaming broccoli, side note for the animals, I always cook some extra for the dogs. <laughs> they need their gut microbiome taken care of too. And so I give them a lot of cooked vegetables too. That's why I was just talking to a friend about that. She said one of her friends has a dog and gets mostly all home cooked meals, like sweet potatoes and greens. And I'm like, that's interesting. I never would have thought that before, but it makes a lot of sense. Like all their food is processed, like, and we're exactly. going non-processed for us. Like that makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's fun. And that gives a lot of good practical ideas because I think as you know, we're into this health world, we're health coaches, you're a nutritional therapist. Like this is second nature for us, but so many people listen to this podcast and like, oh, but how do I do that in my real life? And I think a lot of it, it starts with that mindset of this is, this is what I do. This is my normal. Instead of my normal being, I'm going to put a lean cuisine in the microwave, which used to be my normal because <laughs> it was fast. That didn't fill me up. It didn't really help my blood sugar out any, you know, and this, especially adding the fat to a salad that is so, cause I used to have a fear of salads because of dieting. Like I just couldn't eat them for a long time. Cause I thought that I was going to be deprived, but I also would eat salads with fat-free dressings and it doesn't make them filling when you're eating them with fat and it's adding in the sugar. So it, it just, it, it wouldn't help. So now knowing that I've got a big fatty salad, I don't remember where I heard that phrase from, <laughs> but that's, it's a big fatty salad in certain times of the month. I crave those again. That's where we have to individualize it. And 
especially for females going with our cycles, there are certain times that I want the fresh, crisp salad. And then other times I want kind of the warm roasted, more nurturing foods. And that Mm -hmm. is again, going, leaning into that, the natural rhythms that we have as, as humans, as people. So now I'm like, you know, probably going to make myself a big salad after this. Cause now I'm hungry for a salad <laughs> and I have all of the <laughs> things for it. Um, yeah. So I, we are running out of time and I, I don't know how we did that because I feel like we just started this conversation, but um, I guess my last question I will ask you, um, and I just will have to come on again and talk about something else because I'm loving this conversation. But the last thing I will ask you for today is if you could give one piece of advice to spark someone towards wholeness, what would it be? Oh, wow. To spark someone toward wholeness. You know what? It would be more mental than anything else. And, you know, that's the idea of, um, I am worth it. I am worth a healthy lifestyle. I am worth taking care of myself. I'm worth saying no when I need to say no. You know, we, we're under so much pressure in this society all the time to do all the things. Mm. And it's not always what's best for us. You know, I think for a lot of us, it comes down to ha- having those boundaries comes down to feeling that I deserve to have those boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's really good. And it's, and that takes, and sometimes that's where it takes a lot of inner healing before we can even get to the outer healing, you know, and we really have to work on those hangups before we can even think of nourishing ourselves through food. So I'm really glad you brought that up because I want to talk about food all day long and blood sugar (laughs) and how to do that. But if we're not managing our stress, if we're not dealing with all of these hurts and and deep seated issues and lack of boundaries and all of that, then we're not doing our bodies any favor. So thank you so much. Thanks. And where can people tell us your website and where people can contact you and and find out more about what you do? Thank you so much. My website is happybodyhealth.net. And um, that's the best way to find me. I've got a Facebook page, not quite as active on Facebook or Instagram, but uh, got the website there and blog weekly, trying to put out information about healthy living, you know, food and body, mind and spirit related. Yeah. And and make sure and subscribe to her emails, because I do think, you know, with Facebook and Instagram and all of that, the way things are changing, not everything is seen. So subscribe to the emails because you do put out really helpful information. And that's where, you know, when I saw the thing about blood sugar, I was like, well, we just need to talk about this. Um, and I don't think we ever solved the, the question of how many meals a day should we have, but I think we did because I think what we came down to is that it is individual. And if we are fueling our bodies with the nutrients that we need, then we will be able to stay full. We'll be able to listen to our bodies for when we are hungry. So um, I I think we actually did answer that question. (laughs) Exactly. Well, thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate your knowledge and your wisdom and everything that you shared today. Well, as always, it's just great talking with you. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed this. Thanks for tuning in to Sparking Wholeness. For more on all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul, check out my website, sparkingwholeness.com. Don't forget to be kind and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. 
And to be really kind, you can leave a nice review. I like those.